0: Hello and welcome back to the In Our Network podcast. I hope everyone's having a great start to the new year. And first and foremost, I wanted to say thank you to everyone that's tuned in and continues to support each episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to leave a rating and review because it truly means so much to me. In today's episode, I'm joined by the lovely Leslie Tesler. Leslie is the founder of HANI, a company focused on single-blade razors to ultimately say goodbye to razor burns, irritation, and ingrown hairs. I first discovered Hanny in the fall when I was in New York, and I came across her pop-up at Schofield and was immediately intrigued by the products and honestly so amazed by the company's mission. Leslie and I talk more about her experience transitioning from a fast-paced work environment in New York to slowing down and finding her passion again. We dive deep into the benefits of using a single blade razor and how Hanny is focusing on being sustainably cautious. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited to chat with you because it's actually so funny. I um, saw the pop-up at Showfields in New York most recently. Yeah. Were you there when there was a barber there giving shaves? I wasn't there when there was a barber there. I was there for the month of September, but like the whole like pop-up, so
1: beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was like the first IRL. You know, September we just launched in May, so it was mm-hmm. like the the first time people could come in and see product in the flesh. And then we had this amazing female barber there who, on the weekends, was taking appointments and doing shaves, like the whole like the hot towel and yeah. the shave. And then we have these like amazing glow skews that are coming out. So she did the massage. Oh gosh. It was so much fun. It was fun yeah. to see customers reaction, you know, in real life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know too, like the show fields, everyone at Showfield, like they're so great at accommodating and like answering questions. Cause I know there's obviously a lot of brands there, right? But they are so knowledgeable on every brand there.
1: Yeah. They're wonderful.
0: Awesome. Well, I always love to start the podcast off with, um, asking what you're most looking forward to this week. What am I most looking forward to
1: this week? Well, if I'm being completely honest, (laughs) my husband is in, I'm based in Atlanta right now. And my husband is in New York city on a boy's trip which he's been on for the last 10 days. So I've been like single mothering it with three kids under seven, Yeah, like just trying to survive. So what I'm most looking forward to is Friday night when his plane lands and yes. I can start, to, it's going to be like this. He's going to, the door's going to open. I'm going to shove all three kids into his arms <laughs> and I'm going to say, see you on Monday. I did my thing. So definitely looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I know that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, weekend, well-deserved. And then girls trip, well-deserved. I'm sure right? you can go on I know on It's soon. already...
1: It's already brewing, <laughs> brewing in, in your mind hundred percent, <laughs> yeah awesome. <laughs> well,
0: before we get started into talking a little bit more about your background and um, your company, I'd love if you could give just a quick intro of yourself and how you got started in your career.
1: Yeah, so I'm Leslie. I am the CEO and founder of Hanny, uh, which is a newly launched skincare brand that believes the first step to a great skin is a great shave. Um, so I who am I? i I, I am a but I was born in uh, in the U.S., in New Jersey, and then I moved to uh, the U.K. to finish off high school, um, and that was sort of like my first, first time living abroad, experiencing other cultures, all of that sort of thing, and, and the first time I realized I was going to be someone on the move, right? right. I, I I needed to see new places. I needed to meet new people. Like, all of these things sort of gave me life. Um And so then I kind of shot around a little bit. I came back to the U.S. for college. And right after that, I moved to New York and had this like dream vision of, you know, working in fashion. This was 2003. So Mm -hmm. it was like I wanted to be Rachel from Friends (laughs) working at Ralph Lauren. You know, that was that was my dream. It was peak sex in the city time. I had this whole fantasy of kind of what my life was going to be. And and that had to be in New York. So that's kind of where it all began professionally, at least for me.
0: Right. And when you were in New York, you did have like a few jobs here and there. Are you able to talk about just, you know, what those jobs are and when it came to your roles, like what did that look like on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, I, so, you know, I mentioned about my dream to work at Ralph Lauren and I came to New York and, you know, I went to school in Atlanta. I studied business. I was having a really hard time getting jobs in New York in the fashion industry, which is where I want us to be, fashion or beauty. Because all the 22-year-olds there went to NYU and had interned with Zach Posen and it was kind mm-hmm. of like, I couldn't even get a spot in the door. So I was temping at a showroom that sold like leather goods. And I met this girl who did have an interview, the other kind of receptionist coffee grabber. She did have an interview at Ralph Lauren, and she actually had met a guy who was French and she was going to blow it off, cancel it and go to Paris to like pursue this guy. And I said, don't you dare cancel this interview. And so this is not a recommendation of any sort, but I actually went into this interview at Ralph Lauren under someone else's name. Oh my goodness. And when I got there, I said, you know what, like, what's the worst that can happen? They kick me out. And then I'm right where I am right now. Like I literally had nothing to lose professionally Yeah. or like, maybe they'll be impressed with you know, my chutzpah and um, <laughs> offer me a job. And so thankfully, the latter happened. Um, and I got to work under this amazing woman, uh, Donna Bernard. She was an HR. Um, and she became like a mentor role model. She was, you know, went between Paris and New York. And she was just like kind and chic and treated everyone so well and lived this fabulous life. And so she kind of guided me. She sherpa me sort of throughout my career, she was one of a series of very important women in my professional career. And she really like started it off for me. So I got the dream job at Ralph Lauren. I was going to be just like Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> it was big, you know, everything I'd ever wished for. And, you know, I think what I realized is that a lot of things look glamorous and amazing from the outside, but on the inside, at the end of the day, it's just a job, right? it's not sexy, especially when you're entry level. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think in companies like that, you can understand the corporate culture very quickly and understand whether or not you fit into that, that culture. Right. Um, so I stayed there for a couple of years. I started in HR, um, you know, literally booking interviews. And then I went on to the merchandising team, um, And then I went on through Donna Bernard. She introduced me. It's like wild this now that I'm saying the story out loud. She introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Thierry Andretta, who was half French, half Italian. And he had uh, become the president of an Italian denim company called Replay, which is from like the Veneto region. I don't know if they have it in Canada.
0: I've never heard of it.
1: So it it's from the same region uh, as Diesel, and it's okay. kind of like a very it's very still very um, popular in Europe. But they wanted to open up U.S. stores, and it was just him. And so I met with this guy, and um, we hit it off. And he said, "You're going to come work for me." And so I did. Like literally, out of an apartment in Times Square, we started opening stores. He would send me. He said, "I'll never forget this." He sent me to South Coast Plaza in the or in Orange County mm-hmm. to hire for a new store that we were opening in South Coast Plaza. Mm -hmm. And I was literally on the plane reading, like interviewing for dummies how (laughs) to do it. And I was like meeting with (laughs) candidates. I was probably 25 years old. I had no clue what I was doing. And I just started and we were... I got to spend probably like two to three months a year in Italy at their oh my headquarters. Gosh. Like, who am I? This like, you know, I was 25 <laughs> years old, like living the dream, um, traveling all around the U.S., opening stores, building the team. And honestly, it was amazing. It was the first time that I had absolutely, well, probably not the first time I had no clue what I was doing, but the first time that I was like given such a large responsibility and no one was, no one was watching over me. It was like, right. the, it was the first time I realized I could figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have to hold my hand. Um, and that was empowering. Right. And I, yeah. and I, I often think about those experiences cause it happens to me a lot now as a founder, like half the time, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Right. It's like, you're always, it's, it's always new. And I think like you can do it. Like you've been doing it for such a long time at the end of the day, What you have to do is figure it out and make it work. But really amazing experience. Um, And then I think it was from him, from Terry, that I ended up going over to L'Oreal. Um, so it's just like, I, I mean, this is one thing that's like the people you meet, I think it's so important being able to, I mean, a lot of it is luck, right? A, a lot of this was just who our paths happened to cross and send me on this trajectory, but I don't know. I just feel lo- so lucky to have made those like genuine relationships. So yeah. And then I went into beauty. Then that was like sort of the the entree into beauty. I feel like too, with even just the fashion and beauty
0: industry I feel like we got somewhat of a glimpse just with movies I feel like showing you know what it's like to work in fashion and beauty it's glamorized but it also kind of shows I feel like everyone always refers to the devil wears Prada but I feel like even having conversations with you know yourself and other women in the fashion and beauty industry it does sound like it does take a toll on your mental health and just physical health because it is so go 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 and that's what is expected so would you say when it comes to burning out like at what point did you realize like you mentioned you were canceling on people but at what point did you realize that you actually needed to get out of that industry to be able to transition and not feel like you were burnt out
1: yeah I don't know. Honestly, I don't think it was a moment. I didn't have an aha moment. I had always had this dream of moving to a foreign country and learning to speak Spanish. And it was just something my friends would like always make fun of me. It's like, this is the plan that's never going to happen. You're going to be here forever. (laughs) And um, I think one day I just said enough. And I kind of did it like that. Like I quit my job. I got out of my lease and I went. And it was like, I don't know what the momentum was behind it. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't think it was like leaving mm-hmm. the fashion and beauty industry because uh, I did miss it when I left right. and I started doing like a lot of consulting work and that kind of thing. It was just like the environment that I was in. And I, and I think it's the environment that I was in for me, because mm-hmm. there were people who were there and stayed and loved it and are still there and it totally works for them. But for me, I had an idea of what I wanted out of my life And I didn't see it coinciding with necessarily with that career path, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think too, with, like you mentioned, there are people in the industry that do love, you know, that kind of lifestyle. But when it comes to somebody who is maybe coping with not having a work life balance, like how would you, like what advice would you give? If, for example, somebody was in the fashion and beauty industry, they love it, they wanna stay there, but they are kind of experiencing what you were experiencing before with not necessarily having that work-life balance. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, the, the main thing, and I'm trying to do that now I had to leave and move countries and like totally change (laughs) my, my, my perspective to realize this. But for me, the thing that really did it was like taking time for small things throughout the day. Like, Yes, I, I hear everyone saying make sure you exercise, make sure you eat right, make sure you sleep. And of course, all of those are important, mm-hmm. but there's like little things I can do that make my day better. And by making sure that I do a couple of those each day, for example, there is, you know, I'm not in a big city anymore, but there's one coffee shop that I love that has overpriced lattes <laughs> that, you know, I just like, can't <laughs> get enough of. Yeah. And so when I can, I go there and I sit outside for 15 minutes. Sometimes it's in the middle of the workday. We work remotely and I encourage my team to do this as well. And that really like puts me in a great mood and I come back or I have lunch by myself with a friend, but away from the desk. Like that's a big thing. I spent too many years like shoveling a salad in over my computer. And so I think taking time because I think the, the larger things are harder, right? It's like make time for self-care and, um, you know, treat yourself. And for a lot of people, it's probably not realistic because mm-hmm. they have so much to do or they have a family and it's like, when? Yeah. But if you can carve out like small moments in your day that affect, at least for me, that seems to have a really positive effect on my my balance. Exactly. And it's all about time
0: management, like you mentioned. But I'm really curious too, after you moved from New York, yeah. like how did you find your passion again to start Henny and to just get back into, you know, what you were doing for so long in fashion and beauty?
1: Yeah, so... I moved to Buenos Aires in 2010, and the idea was for it to be a six-month sabbatical. I thought I would move. New York wasn't for me. I was going to move to Miami because I've always loved Miami. Um, I always am like the biggest Latina wannabe you've ever <laughs> met in your life. It's it's just like, I don't know why. I feel like my soul was switched at birth with, you know, it's I just have always had kind of an unhealthy obsession with Latin culture. And so I loved Miami. I said, I'll go, I'll learn Spanish and I'll come back and I'll move to Miami. Um, and I went and I loved it. It was, I mean, it's it was a complete luxury to be able to do that. But if- Anyone who's listening can, and it doesn't have to be Argentina. It can be anywhere, can take themselves out of their comfort zone and put themselves somewhere new where right. they're open to try. I was literally, the stuff I was doing, I won't even tell you because it's <laughs> so off the wall, but my mantra was just, don't speak any English and do all the stuff you'd never do. Yeah. Um, and I was, and it was wild. And it, um, you know, I fell in love with Buenos Aires. I fell in love with Argentina. I fell in love with my husband. So I stayed for 10 more years um, and, you know, had three kids and and really made my life there. But I think when I first got there, I was burnt out. And so all I wanted, I wanted to do anything but think about that life. Yeah, I was doing Pilates. I was having I was taking Spanish lessons every day um, and I was just walking, wandering. I didn't have any budget. You know, I was, you know, I wanted to try to stretch my stay as long as possible. So I just walked the city and, um, I had an amazing time, met amazing people, drank a lot of coffees with a lot of, (laughs) That's like one thing that, I don't know how I lived without it before is, um, you know, coffee with a friend or lunch with a friend or just saying good morning to people, you know, to the newsstand guy, to whoever. These little things are like connections that made me feel like I was a part of a community that I never felt like. I never felt like that in my time in New York. I felt very alone and like
0: go, go, go.
1: Yeah. And like go, go, go with all these people. And and I had great, I have great friends uh, there, but I just felt very lonely. And here suddenly I felt, I woke up in the morning and I would consciously say, I'm so happy with my life right now. Like, I can't believe this is real.
0: So transitioning from leaving your job in the fashion and beauty industry in New York and moving to a different country, how did that lead to Hany and just starting the company in general?
1: Um, so I started consulting on Latin American beauty brands, like out of Argentina and Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that with that, it gave me, you know, I, I was, it gave me a little taste and I kept yeah. wanting more and more. And without thinking about it, I I remembered the fact that I love the work. I love the beauty industry. I think it got muddled in a lot of other like stressful factors for me, but I love it. And so when I was able to do it more consciously with a, you know a, more of a balance, uh, I just kind of ended up throwing myself back. Um, and I, so it was actually like from one of those consulting gigs, um, they were this was also, is like, I don't know how I got this job. It's, I, I'm really not sure. It's like all of these amazing things I'm so lucky to have had. But I was traveling a lot um, from these companies and I was going to Asia a lot and I was trend scouting and I was in Korea and I was in Japan. And um, on one of those trips in Japan to Japan, it was like 2011, which was like pre-derma planing, Nothing was on yeah. my radar. I was walking down the street and I saw this like very like legit, like traditional old school men's barbershop mm-hmm. and the chicest woman I had ever seen sitting in the window having her face shaved with like the foam and the blade. And I crazy. was like, I need that. I don't know what she's doing, yeah. but I want in. Um, and so I went and I had my point in. like I want what she's happening? <laughs> like Harry, when Harry met Sally. Um, and I got my face shaved. And that was really, you know, Prior to that, I had wanted to think of, I've been trying to think of things and trying to force things. What could I do mm-hmm. that I could do something in Argentina that worked in the U.S. and just bring it to Latin America? I'd like, But um, once I tried the single blade, it was like a rabbit hole for me. It was just kind of like, my skin had never felt like that. Um, you know, whatever, they put some kind of like hyaluronic on after, mm-hmm. and it felt like it plumped my skin. You know, it just it penetrated so deeply into my skin. And I was like, I need to know more about this. I need to try it on my body, on my I, literally areas that I shouldn't even be shaving. I just started shaving <laughs> everywhere. And I, well, not everywhere, it's a little much. Um, and yeah, and, and it's so funny. So Anne, who is one of my former co-workers at L'Oreal, who's now our head of product, who's insanely talented, she's Japanese. And when I came back from that trip, I was just, she had given me like restaurants and bars to go to. And I said, um, I did this cool thing, thinking I'm like a real badass. Like I shave I shave my face in this men's barbershop. And she kind of looked at me and was like, um, I've been shaving my face since I was 13 years old. And my <laughs> mother shaves her face and my grandmother shaves her face. And I was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> That's so How? crazy. It's so crazy. And I started thinking about all these things. Like, why is it that men do nothing for their skin? but they age so much better than we do while we're doing like 20 step regimens. And like, Mm -hmm. of course they're like exfoliating on the regular, getting like all of that dead skin slothed off. And like, even if they're not doing anything other than shaving, they're still doing something great for their skin. So anyways, I came back and I was like, this is it. I had uh, been given from my grandfather, one of those, like, I don't know. Do I have one here? Like an old fashioned, men's safety razor I think I, I think I know what you're talking about you know yeah. they're like three pieces and yeah they twist off and you put a blade in and you like mm-hmm. um and I tried it and I tried it on my body obviously you know it's short it's meant for a man's face mm-hmm. it's like a lot of pieces and you have to hold the it's blade a lot it's intimidating yeah. and so um I went to New York and I teamed up with an industrial design studio called Prime Studios. They are shave experts in like every sense of the word. They design the Harry's Razor. They uh, one specific um, a, a gentleman by the name of Yokin, who, who I don't think is he's no longer there, but he is just like a technical mastermind when it comes. all the details, right? Mm -hmm. Like blade exposure and dimensions and cap spans and all of these things. And so we set out to make ideally, or initially the idea for Hannah, Hanny was one handle with two heads where one would be for face and one would be for body. Mm -hmm. But what we found like through the design process was that, um, it's just too hard to do. Like it wouldn't work with both angles. Okay. Um, and so we decided to launch with body, which is what we've done.
0: Here, she comes in burgundy and blue. Yeah, I was able, I saw those at the should we, I
1: tested them out. And I had tested you have the shade one? pillow. I don't have that one. I <gasps> just oh my gosh the shape pillow. Yeah. Wait, I need to send you one. Don't <laughs> buy, it. I'll send it to you. Um send me your address after this. Okay. <laughs> sh- yeah, so basically this is what uh we came up with and it's been insane since you know, we only launched in May. Mm-hmm. So we're still, by all accounts, a baby brand. Um, But, yeah, people are really loving it. You know, it's completely made out of metal. I always say that the razor is the new straw. Um, Like, people or it's, you know, it's so top of mind, straws, bags, and the environmental impact they have. And razors kind of like skip your mind. But like the last stat we heard was like from four years ago, that 2 billion plastic cartridges end up in landfills in the US alone. And like, that's got to be more now. And so it was really important that there's no plastic whatsoever. It's made 100% out of metal. And so no part of this, you know, is contributing or the blades is is contributing Mm -hmm. to any like landfill situation. And then, yeah, I mean, you held it. Right. So, you know, Mm -hmm. like the first, when you pick it up and you're like, it's, it's weighted. Right. And it's definitely like a lot heavier than what you're used to shaving with, Mm -hmm. which is the whole point. So like, obviously it feels really sturdy. It's meant to last. It's not meant to, you know, have to be replaced every two years. But the main thing with the razor is like, you let the weight of the handle, do all the work. But you know, like when you're shaving with whatever three, four, five blade razor Ice, yeah. you use, you can go at it like from any angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is that it tugs and it pulls at your skin. And oftentimes it actually lifts the follicle above the most superficial layer of your skin, Okay. Cuts. And when it goes back down underneath your skin, that's what oftentimes results in ingrown hairs, um, like a host of sensitivity issues, right? Like razor burn, strawberry skin, bumpy skin. Um, And so with this, what's cool about it is that you um, let the weight do all the work. You don't press into it or push into your skin like you Mm -hmm. would, you know, a plastic razor Mm -hmm. and you just glide it along. And so it's super gentle, which alleviates all of those irritation things. And then, you know, the whole idea for me is to take this idea of shaving, which has been previously something very like utilitarian, Mm -hmm. you have to do in the shower or that you're always doing for someone else. Like I have a hot date, so I'm gonna shave. And I think when you have a proper shave and a really good shave that actually exfoliates your skin, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it takes it from a place of like boring chore part of your body skin routine yeah you know because people are spending more and they're buying like these amazing body formulas but it's they're essentially just like slothing on top of of, of dead right. skin and so i always say it's that. like a, it's like a dermaplane and a razor walked into a bar and had a baby mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and that's hattie
0: with other razor companies in the market why do you think that they advertise to women more heavily towards like the multiple blades. Is that because that's just what's been out there for so long and they don't want to kind of go against the grain or...
1: Razor companies make a ton of money on cartridges, you know? Right, Yeah. Even now, like the new players who, um, you know, made it more convenient, have online subscriptions are significantly cheaper than, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, some of their competition. They still start at $2.50, Right. And they go all the way up to whatever they are, eight nine dollars behind like a plastic jewelry case at mm-hmm. Duane Reed, you know. And so, I think that's it because at the end of the day, we kind of have the op- exact opposite model, right? It's like you pay nothing for your razor, mm-hmm. and they you, you end up paying a fortune in cartridges over over time. With ours, you pay thirty eight dollars for the razor, comes with five blades, and then all the blades cost a fraction of. What a cartridge costs. So, like within a year, you're spending the same amount, and then mm-hmm. every subsequent year you're spending less. So it's not really about having customers pay a ton every time they need to refill. They can buy something that's recyclable, that shaves better, and that ends up costing a lot less money. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know it's a it's a larger trend that will that will set oh, off yeah. because, you know, it's it's I I'm a, I always say, of course there are challenges, right? Because women have been shaving with plastic razors for their whole lives. And it's a different way to shave. Single blade, applying no pressure, really doing this gentle motion. It's a shifted habit that can be you know, intimidating for some people or people just are ha- creatures of habit and don't want to make the change. But I know that once they switch, it's over. Because yeah. in your skin, you would say, I always say like a woman's never experienced a proper shave before. Like we have no clue what it feels like. I always just like, I have very sensitive skin, super reactive. And I just like accepted it as my bumpy, all those bumps on my legs mm-hmm. were just part of me. Uh, and I didn't realize it was shaving based irritation. And now I have none of it. So I think it, it's cool to see. It's amazing to see customers' reactions because it's so much better. And the reactions from customers are like, you know, the. They're they're very, very excited and I love hearing it. It's like it's been a wild ride. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm excited to try it because now that I think about our conversation and think about what you know I have been using and the amount of money that I do spend on the five blades with the Alex like, strip or the strip on the outside. And then you think about when that strip goes below the actual razor. And then you're like, oh, I have to change it.
1: Exactly. But by that point, like this is something so funny. I um, I'm new to Atlanta. Right. And so I needed to find all new doctors. I found a gynecologist and I'm like, we're we're close now. I'm going to tell you all about my, <laughs> my last gynecologist appointment. Um, And, you know, we were chit chatting and she was to ask me what I did. And I, you know, tell everyone about Hanny who will listen. Mm -hmm. And she actually voluntarily, we're working with her now on some content, like a series because she wanted to become involved. She said, you don't know the amount of shaving and waxing related injuries I see here on a daily basis. No way. And I was like, what? She said, think about the fact that you have blade plastic, blade plastic, blade plastic five times sitting in a humid shower that we're changing out like way less frequently than we should be. And it's like a bacterial breeding ground. And then we take it to like our most sensitive areas and wonder, you know, why, but I was just, I honestly was shocked. So now we're doing this whole thing with her because, um, you know, she, she just sees a lot of it in her practice and how you can take care of it's all about taking care of your skin at the end of the day, doing things that are healthy and safe and make you look and feel great. So
0: with with Hani, where do you see the company going in the next five years, especially given the fact that you've talked about dermaplaning as well. You've talked about products like other than the shave pillow. So what's in store for Hani?
1: There is a lot of exciting. Like I said, I always tell people we launched with, uh, you know, a, a tool and a product that really enhance your body shaving experience, but we absolutely are a skincare brand. So 2022, we have incredible body skews coming out, um, really focused on you know, this set a really high bar for us. Like yeah. there's nothing on the market yeah. like this. I've heard right. really great things. And just to say, I had somebody
0: that was, uh, she was used to be a beauty editor. Um, and I see her talk about it all the time on Instagram. You do? She Who? has, her name's Christina Rodolfo. She's from New York. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. She's yes. amazing. She loves the product and I raves about it all the time. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. Um, You know, but this is like a high bar. And so we're keeping it, you know, so everything we do has to bring something new to the user experience. Like whether that's in formulation or texture or application, it has to be like, we're never going to be the brand that creates another body wash. Like it's the last thing anyone needs right now. Um, And so we're really focusing on product innovation. Um, I'm so excited. I wish I could share um, for the first <laughs> couple of body launches that we have coming up. Uh, but that's sort of, and then we'll be expanding from there. We've got a few other tools in our tool belts um, and yeah, a huge plans for Hany. Um, uh, yeah. In the coming, in the coming year, 2022 is going to be a big one for us. Yeah.
0: No, that's so exciting. Do you foresee, or, or I guess for the roadmap, do you foresee having, more pop-ups like Showfields, especially because the product, you know, I experienced it because the the person at Showfields like had water and they showed me how to put it on. Like yeah. it's really the experience. So do you see that in the future for Hanny
1: There's definitely going to be um, a lot of in real life opportunity to interact with Hanny starting in the first quarter of next year. So um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. I'll keep you posted, but, but lots, yeah, lots yeah. of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I always love to end off with just talking a little bit more about advice and pinch me moments. So, you know, I'm sure launching Hanny was a big pinch me moment for you, but can you share others or maybe share a little bit more about when you actually did launch or like the launch day of Hanny?
1: The pinch me moment for me would be the first time we we're, we're just like jumping into the pool of, of having, you know, investors and people from the outside coming in. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time someone I admired in from the industry invested in Hanny because that was like up until this point, we were bootstrapped, you know, uh, we were just really scrappy. We're still we're always going to be scrappy. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, for so long, it was insular and it felt like my crazy idea and uh, friends and family who were you know, along for the journey. And we didn't have a ton of validation. Um, there was nothing, you know, a lot of people thought it was crazy. Like it's never going to work. And so when we started getting people who experienced the product, loved the product, got excited about the product, who I admired and trusted, um, That was like, okay, this is like, this is a real thing now. This could work for real, (laughs) not just in my head. Um, And then, you know, launch day is crazy because I think you expect, we got so lucky. um, We did this launch event uh, in LA with editors and influencers where we did that. We brought in an an esthetician, a pedicurist and we did the in-home male barber shop experience with the leg shave in people's homes. And so we got a ton of amazing press um, and influencers posting organically. We have yet to do any kind of like paid partnerships or anything like that. Um, and so that was great. But I think launch day, to be honest, is all it's I wonder if other founders have this experience. It's kind of like what wah, like you launch <laughs> It's amazing, you know. You yeah. don't, we didn't sell out day one, um, and so I think you build up for so long. You have such high expectations that if I could go back, I would just say it's just one. It's it's one day. Like it doesn't. Yeah. You haven't had time. You have zero learnings. You know nothing about what you know unless you've had time to do like extensive research. We didn't know anything about what messaging was resonating. We still. I mean, it's still. You know, it's constantly evolving, but uh, it was just kind of like open, we're open for business launched and we did get g- some good traction, but I wish I would have just told myself like, take the pressure off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's one day in what will be many, many days of honey. And so, yeah, it was a lot of nerves. It's, it's like one of those things where like, it's like your wedding night where you're like, build it up to be <laughs> this big thing. And you're like, it's always like a, pfft. yeah. Right. That's kind of how, in all honesty, that's kind of how I felt about launch day. And then after that it was amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, no, that's really good advice. Cause I'm sure even just with like smaller projects too, that go on in people's lives or even big projects, I think that anticipation is always like towards that one day. So,
1: you know, knowing that there's so much more to come. hundred percent. Yeah. That day does not, it doesn't mean anything. It's not setting the tone. It's not setting the mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. It's just one day out of many.
0: Yeah. If you were to go back through your career and just offer, you know, one piece of advice to anyone that's wanting to get started in fashion and beauty or launching their own, you know, company, what advice would you have to give?
1: I think the one thing that has always served me well is just keep going. There were so many times in, since the beginning of my career, like where it was just seemed too hard it was impossible in my mind. And it's it, maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of people default to all the reasons why you can't do something. And it's a lot of times easier to just say, you know, I totally could have done that, but I didn't. Cause I didn't want to Cause I removed myself from the situation instead of putting yourself at risk and like mm-hmm. actually failing. And so, and it's something like my husband reminded me of so much as I was launching is that like most people don't even get to launch because they're they, they're walking away from it beforehand. And there were so many times I wanted to do that where I was like, it's it, that's it. It's done, it's mm-hmm. dead in the water, it's never gonna happen. And he said, just keep going. Like put one foot in front of the other and don't think as much about, you know in terms of like this grand plan, you have to keep your eye on like the long-term, but you also have to just keep going. And there are a lot of days where I'm like, I can't, this is not, It's not going to work. But I always try to think of that and just keep going.
0: (laughs) Seeing where Hany is now and what is yet to come. I think, you know, that's really great advice. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time. Hopefully I can come to another IRL experience with Hany. So I'll definitely be on the lookout and I'll be leaving all of the links in the description. So
1: amazing. This was so fun. Thank you so much.